Good morning, everybody. I'm Eureka John, and you're at Eureka Street Crypto, broadcasting from Leander, Texas. It is, what time is it? 6.13 in the morning, July 10th, no, July 11th, 2022, and it's Monday. Man, it got up to, um, I think, 110 degrees yesterday, so it was hot. <laughs> um, so that's why I wake up early in the morning now. I mean, I always did, but uh, I got up yesterday and went skateboarding early, early, early in the morning and uh, got my physical activity out. Uh, my poor girls, they've been running around the house. Um, I didn't really want them, you know, running around and and uh, <clears throat> triple digit heat all day. I, I try to minimize that a little bit, but I still want them to get out and get some vitamin D and get some of that sunlight and uh, you know, get some of that fresh air. It's good. It's good for you. Um, if you haven't done that today, um, make sure you do it today. Make sure you do that a little bit every day if possible. All right. Anyway. Um, Let's see here. This is my morning video blog, um, brain dump, um, sandbox, and message in a bottle. So this is all about crypto and the crypto space and the constant telenovela, the drama, um, everything that goes on in the crypto space. I love reading about it, um, the innovation as well. Um, and uh, yeah, it, you know, somewhat the specula speculation, but I really am in it for the tech, you know, I'm in it for the drama too. I mean, I love the stories behind all these people in the space and, and what they're doing, why they're in the space, because, you know, you got to be a special kind of forward thinker um, yeah, or a total slime ball speculator um, if you're in the crypto space, you know, there's like, yeah, <laughs> really a couple types of people, you know, you get in there and you're like, you know, you're one of those MLM type of people and like, Hey, come join my, my little crypto cult, you know, like we're going to make big money together, you know, or you're in it totally for the tech and you're just like, dude, this innovation is so cool. It's like, you know, the future, I feel like I'm reliving the birth of the internet all over again. Cause when I was, you know, I was, um, you know, a teenager to young adult, yeah, I was a teenager. I was in high school, I guess, when the internet, you know, because I graduated in 94 when the internet was starting to be invented and, uh, you know, was starting to go mainstream. And, um, you know, I didn't think about it too much, you know, but this, this time um, with Web 3.0, Web 3, whatever, blockchain type of uh, internet coming into play, this gives me a chance to kind of relive that as an adult. And we are once more at that time and uh, back then you couldn't really you know uh, make money uh, the inventors of HTTP protocol couldn't make money from that you know but now we have tokenized innovations in which everybody it's democratized can participate in it and I heard a good point from Chris Dixon yesterday on uh, the new A16Z uh, Web3 podcast. And he was saying um, the difference now, um, Web 2.0, you know, it's like you don't just walk up to somebody at like, you know, a bar or you know, an event or whatever and be like, oh, wow, you're on Facebook. Yeah. Wow, man, I'm on Facebook, too. That's so cool. You know, because there's no skin in the game. Nobody cares if you're on Facebook, you know, or MySpace or Twitter or whatever. 
everybody is, is, is has chosen their social media platform. Um, they don't have skin in the game. They're just a user. And that social media platform just sucks your data and gets rich off of you. And nobody cares whether or not you are also on some, you know, mainstream web 2.0 platform, you know, but if you go to like an NFT conference and he, he brought up the example of like a Gary V conference in which, you know, um, everybody there owned one of the Gary V NFTs and, um, you know, like in the NFT NYC, or, you know, if, if you're a token holder in some kind of crypto project, um, all those people have a stake in the game. And if you meet somebody else that has like the same NFT as you, and they're into the same stuff, suddenly there's that connection and you're so stoked about it because you have skin in the game. Uh, just like my neighbor two doors down, when I found out that he was also into a lot of the same web three, uh, type of stuff that I am, we were just like talking a hundred miles an hour, uh, to each other, even though it was you know a kid's birthday party, <laughs> like we were just so stoked and we had no idea idea. Um, so that's the type of connection happens whenever you have skin in the game. And that's the excitement that the new internet, um, is, is giving people for, you know, for once more, you know, we had web 1.0 at the very beginning and everybody was super excited about it. That was involved in it. Of course, a lot of people thought it was just a fad. They thought the internet was a place for, for scammers, for grifters, for criminals and for pornographers. And it is, and it was, you know, and now they're saying the same thing. Blockchain is a place for scammers, for grifters, for criminals. <laughs> and, you know, with the advent of NFTs, probably pornographers too. You know, um, a lot of people are paying um, for porn with crypto as well. You know, they, they have all types of tokens for that as well. You know, um, some of these online, uh, you know, girls and guys, you know, accept Doge or they accept the, uh, I can't remember the name of that, uh, Come Rocket tokens. That's what they call it. <laughs> and there's a few other tokens that are designed specifically for the porn industry but yeah there's that element in any type of innovation um but and come rocket is a real project you can find it in the coin gecko listings here you know like um i'm not going to go look for it but it's there so it's real so you know but it especially since pornhub and OnlyFans have been banning that, and porn, uh, PayPal stopped accepting um, uh, being allowed for payment on uh, pornography sites. They've gone to crypto, you know? And so crypto has a use case. I've seen sometimes people sit there and say on Twitter, show me one actual use case of crypto. Well, that's one, you know? Well, that was one use case of the internet back in the day, you know? But another one with, you know, Canada shutting down donations to the truckers, that's an obvious use case. Uh, now with the Dutch farmers and their land trying to be scooped up in the name of climate change, you know, it's one tiny, tiny little country. And they're saying that it's it's crucial that they give their land to the government, you know, for climate change. Whenever you have an entire nation, India and China over here, creating mass amounts of pollution, why don't they crack down on them the same way and take their land? <laughs> I don't think so, huh? right? So they're just bullying the little guy. And they want to create over there this big tri-city, like about the size of New York or Los Angeles right over there to kind of be the capital of Europe. Um, so that's the real reason. But anyway, uh, I digress. <laughs> um, so let's uh, move on over here to the coin gecko. Um, and we are at, back down at 20,000. I did end up um, caving in and buying some Bitcoin. Um, like I said yesterday or day before yesterday that I'd cashed out a bunch of my altcoins to try to 
hedge everything over um, for the most part into Bitcoin. And I did that with a lot of worthless projects that I had accumulated over the past couple of years. Um, and so I ended up just, I was like, hey, I'm going to wait for the Bitcoin dip. And, you know, uh, yeah, because it was at 21,700 and something a couple days ago. And I ended up buying at 21,200. Now it's at 20,561. Anyway, regardless, either way, it's still cheap now compared to what it will be in the future. Um, you know, and with the way everything is going with the money system, yeah, you know, Bitcoin's looking better and better, you know, that's all all I'm saying it's all I'm saying you know and the FUD out there for Bitcoin is extremely high the FUD out there for crypto in general that is not associated with any type of CBDC central bank digital currency is very very high right now um, the IMF they want to bring in the central bank digital currency the future of money gearing up for central bank digital currency uh, you know and then you have here uh, it, if CBDCs are designed prudently they can potentially offer more resilience, more safety, greater availability, and lower costs than private forms of digital money. That is clearly the case when compared to unbracked crypto assets that are inherently volatile, and even better managed and regulated stable coins may not be a match against a stable and well-designed central bank digital currency. We know that the move towards CBDCs is gaining momentum driven by the ingenuity of central banks. And this is um, a from the IMF, you know, International Monetary Fund, uh, or .org website. Um, so, you know, as told, all told, 100 countries are exploring CBDCs at one level or another. Um, Bahamas, the sand dollar is already there. Sweden's Rick's Bank has developed a proof of concept. In China, the, the digital remnimby called the ECNY continues to progress to more than 100 million individual users and billions of yuan transactions. <laughs> yeah, and they're also out in the, the social credit system, the Sesame credit system. And tons and tons and thousands and thousands and thousands of people are um, discriminated against and not allowed to travel and everything else because of their social credit. Um, you know, they might have tweeted you know, or said something against the government at one point or they're not behaving exactly the way that the Chinese government wants them to. And their bank accounts are frozen. Their travel uh, privileges are frozen all because, um, you know, they're under the control of a CBDC. Um, so and last month, the Federal Reserve issued a report that noted that a CBDC could fundamentally change the structure of the U.S. financial system. So. If you think that all this is because they want to save the planet or because that they care about your health, you really need to take off your blinders. Um, so that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm not even going to try to state or prove a case. There's plenty things of things out there. Um, so anyway, so yeah, they're hot on the trail to try to discredit any type of other cryptocurrency projects out there. They want you on your digital ID given to you by the centralized government, and they want you on the centralized money form, the CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency. This is coming straight from the IMF. Um, so, so they're trying to um, create lots of FUD. And FUD stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Uh, I know that there is a, span, uh, a, a Hispanic Latin American um, food um, chain called Food, FUD, food, you know, and it's kind of like that spammy type of meat. And uh, they make a, other products as well. Um, but this is not that FUD, food, food, FUD. Uh, this is fear, uncertainty, and doubt. All right. Um, so if you go into any you know Mexican meat market, you will always find food, you know, in the in the the section. 
Um, <laughs> okay, anyway, so Pentagon finds concer concerning vulnerabilities on blockchain. A new, report, a new report reveals that blockchain is neither decentralized nor updated. <laughs> All right, so now they're coming at it. You know, they've called everything scammers, grifters. Um, you know, they they say how you know it, it's everything's a security that um, you know they're just really trying hard to discredit everything about crypto, and nothing is working because people are so sick and tired of the behavior of the banks and and the governments. So now they're going, to, you know, attacking it from a technical level. You know, saying, "Okay, well, if you, you know, if you won't believe me, there, uh, we did a study, and um, this study it was done by Trail of Bits, which Trail of Bits is, is, you know, they're they're cool. You know, I mean, I don't know about cool, but you know, it depends on what your version of cool is. But uh, I mean, they're they're good. They're good at what they do. You know, they they don't just fix bugs. They fix software. Since 2012, Trail of Bits has helped secure some of the world's most targeted organizations and products. Uh, we combined high-end security research and real-world attacker mentality to reduce risk and fortify code. So they're security experts. They audit code. They you know they investigate for vulnerabilities and things like that, and um, and software and you know stuff like that. So they were given the task by the Pentagon, by DARPA, to explore Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies to look for vulnerabilities. Um, and so let's see here. A report commissioned, and so commissioned by meaning paid for by the Pentagon, yeah, uh, concluded. So, you know, already the fact that they're being paid to find these answers um, kind of gives me a little red flag. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, this wasn't just some third party independent end of investigation. It wasn't even a grant. It, it's a commissioned. It's paid for to find specific things. Um, so a report commissioned by the Pentagon concluded that the blockchain is not decentralized. That the blockchain is not decentralized, is vulnerable to attacks, and is running outdated software. The report: Our blockchain's decentralized, unintended centralities and distributed ledgers uncovered that a subset of participants can exert excessive and centralized control over the entire blockchain system. The findings of the report are a cause of concern for a wide range of sectors, but especially serious for security, fintech, big tech, and the crypto industries, which continue to grow. The Pentagon's research arm, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA, engaged Trail of Bits, a security research organization, to investigate the blockchain. Investigate the blockchain. <laughs> Trail of Bits focused on Bitcoin and Ethereum, the two leading cryptocurrencies in the global market. Trail of Bits says that it only takes four entities to disrupt Bitcoin and only two to disrupt Ethereum. Additionally, 60% of all Bitcoin traffic moves through just three ISPs. Um, outdated and unencrypted software and blockchain protocols were also identified by the organization. Um, so they're finding all these 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 um, things to ha have an issue. And you look at this. Here's an article. You know, data center alley. Why 70% of internet traffic flows through Ashburn, Virginia? You know, that's 70% of internet traffic flows through Fairfax and Ludon County, where the Silicon Valley of the East is located, right near the nation's capital. It's formerly known as the Dulles Technology Corridor. Um, so yeah, there is there are some choke points of where the internet flows through um, all these articles will be linked in the in the show notes but uh you know so so how did things come to be this way and why does it matter um so you know it gives a little history of here um and why does it matter let's see here 
Um, uh, aside from its history, from its history, what makes Data Center Alley ideal for the new data centers? Because there's a bunch of data centers right there, and it matters because that's where a lot of the cloud service providers and Amazon Web Services, Microsoft, and Digital Reality are, and uh, those um, are in a lot of cases the entities that host a lot of these these blockchain nodes and storage and all that type of stuff <clears throat> but there are a lot of blockchain um uh i guess um nodes yeah <laughs> parts of the consensus network that are not stored on that as well so um, i don't know the details of that and i'm not going to pretend to try to get that technical about it but um you know th there there's a lot of the blockchain that is not um located in these choke points like this but I just, I just wanted to point that out that article you know 70 percent of internet traffic flows through so it is kind of a, a cause for concern so they do bring up some some concerning things and things that you would definitely want to be concerned and so this is a, an amazing part of the honing process that is allowing people in bitcoin you know due to some of this fud to respond and then even sometimes catch some things and say hey yeah we can improve here anyway Back to this Pentagon article. Um, the Pentagon's report surfaced just weeks after the Luna crypto crash. In May 2022, the decentralized stablecoin Terra USD pegged one to one to the US dollar, dropped 30 cents when an algorithm running on the blockchain collapsed. Um, financial experts warned that the Luna crash was an important lesson about the risks in blockchain. See, and they always say, see, see, I told you so. The you know, blockchain's unstable. It's volatile. Since the Luna crash, cryptocurrencies have been in full meltdown with millions of dollars being lost and investors cashing out their crypto assets. And that is true. It has triggered just this cascading effect of all these centralized finance um, exchanges just crashing like Celsius, like Voyager, you know, like BlockFi. Coinbase is uh, like teetering on the edge, you know, so yeah, but FTX and Binance seem to be doing okay. So what's going on with that? Um, anyway, uh, cryptocurrencies continue to be affected by the global economy, supply chain problems, federal interest hikes, inflation, and a looming recession. The DARPA commission report adds only more concerns about the blockchain and affects investors' perception and confidence. Furthermore, the crypto world and blockchain operations are now deeply entangled in many industries that have penciled out plans to use cryptocurrencies due to their agility immediacy, product potential, and capacity to provide easier access to financial services to the global population. Security remains a top priority, challenge, and concern in this new digital era. Uh, digital financial era. So it is a new paradigm shift we are experiencing. So the blockchain security challenges. The safety of a blockchain depends on the security of the software and the protocols of its off-chain governance or consensus mechanisms, the Trail of Bits report says. Trail of Bits researchers registered multiple accounts with mining pool sites to study its code when available. Their discoveries are shocking. <gasps> According to Trail of, Bits, um, Trail of Bits, via BTC, a leading global mining pool, assigns the password 123 to its accounts. <laughs> so that's just like going into some place and just typing in admin for a, a password or root or password. You know, one, two, three is another one. You know, it's just one of those things that, you know, a lot of um, IT people just kind of know to try, you know, like and just if you want to really want to figure out you know, how to get into a system or you don't have the password, just try, you know, password, admin, root, one, two, three. So, yeah. <clears throat> so pooling another mining organization does not even validate credentials at all. And Slush Pool, which has mined more than 1.2 billion Bitcoin, a million Bitcoins, 
since uh, 2010, instructs users to ignore the password field. Combine the three mining pools account for about 25% of the Bitcoin hash rate or total computer power. <sighs> that was, and for those listening, that was not a water bomb. That was my... <laughs> That was my drink. It's in one of those smoothie cups. But I was listening to it the other day, and I was taking a drink. I was like, that sounds just like a water bong. Trail of Bits warns all that. I, I used to wake and bake. I don't anymore. Um, Trail of Bits warns that nodes used by crypto miners can be easily depo- deployed using an inexpensive cloud server. These can be used to flood the network in what is known as a Sybil attack. Sybil attacks can execute an Eclipse attack where a malicious actor seeks to isolate users by denying access to nodes. And a Sybil attack is when um, a, uh, a person pretends to be tons of people or a computer print pretends to be tons of computers. Uh, it's named after um, a schizophrenic woman, I believe, named Sybil. You know, so yeah, it kind of gives you an idea. You know, somebody with a bunch of different personalities and trying to infiltrate a system you know, with uh, pretending to be a lot of people or over take a system all with the same um, intent and um, you know if you overtake 51% of a network a lot of times that tips the vote in your favor and then you can start making decisions for the network that's a civil attack um, Trilobits presented evidence that a dense subnetwork of public nodes is largely responsible for reaching consensus and communicating with miners. An example of a Sybil attack was linked to a malicious actor to believed to be from Russia. The attacker, attacker gained control of up to 40% of Tor exit nodes and used them to rewrite Bitcoin traffic. Huh, interesting. Additionally, software errors and bugs are also a main security in the blockchain. Ideally, all nodes should operate under the same latest version of software, but that is not the case. Software bugs have already caused blockchain errors in Ethereum, and 21% of Bitcoin nodes are running an older version of the Bitcoin core client known to be vulnerable. Trailabit says uh, blockchain software developers and maintainers and millions of crypto review users around the world are also being targeted in attacks along with mainstream technology. Um, and let's see, big tech and Web3 marketing revolution. The new DARPA report finds big Big tech in a critical moment with many top companies already heavily investing in blockchain technology. For decades, big tech's main source of revenue has been online advertising. However, the global trend dri- driven by users' privacy concerns is bringing the third-party era to an end, significantly affecting online advertising revenues. So Web3 is coming into play. All the big tech companies are seeing the writing on the wall. They cannot continue keeping your data. So they are all trying to move to Web3 and they're all trying to to move to the blockchain and they're trying to figure out ways to do it so now there's this huge flood of money coming into the market more than ever before uh, because everybody's trying to move towards web3 web3 is the future i'm telling you you know <laughs> so all big tongue companies meta uh, facebook spotify uh paypal twitter google apple alibaba microsoft and others are pivoting to web3 and blockchain in search of new sources of income because people are starting to catch on to say hey that's my data this is my privacy, you know? So there is suddenly a bad business model and you're starting to look like the stone age if you continue to do business that way. So anyway, Microsoft, for example, developed Project Bletchley, a blockchain as a service project. Since then, the company has continued to explore crypto opportunities. In 2021, Microsoft was also awarded a U.S. patent for blockchain software that would create crypto tokens. Ah, the Gates token, the Bill Gates token. On May 31st, 2022, Microsoft announced it would be allowing advertising for cryptocurrency exchanges in the U.S., allowing the Microsoft Advertising Search Network. While Microsoft continues focuses on technical solutions, other companies like Meta, the Facebook platforms, or 
founder of Twitter, direct their investments into mainstream use of blockchain. Twitter formally launched crypto... Twitter Crypto, a specialized crypto team to build its blockchain and Web3 services. Uh, crypto ac- expert Tess Renerson, working with cryptocurrency since 2015, was called to lead the team. Twitter has been exploring developing crypto payments, crypto tips, creator monetization, NFTs, and decentralized social media. You can already see this on Twitter. Um, in similar ways, other big tech companies are looking to the future to build future of the blockchain in November 2021. Apple CEO Tim Cook said that during the New York Times Dealbook conference that the company is looking into cryptocurrencies while Cook did not reveal exactly what Apple is working on. He hinted to NFTs and accepting crypto on Apple Pay. So the new Trail of Bits report warns big, t- big tech as they develop their future. The report demonstrates the continued need for careful review when assessing new technologies such as blockchains as they proliferate in our society and economy. So there's all these warnings out there saying, be careful of this. We want you to use the right cryptocurrency, which will be our CBDC, of course, probably, you know, connected to the social credit system. Uh, they don't want them using Ethereum and Bitcoin. No. And, and nothing else that should come up that is outside of the scope of what they you know, intend to, to bring in. So, yeah, so there's risks and opportunities. I won't read much more of this article because there's not much more in left, but it says we should not take any promise of security on face value and anyone using blockchains for matters of high importance must think through the associated vulnerabilities baron from darpa concludes okay so that being said you know and and here's the the art the whole report and i will link it so you can read it for yourself our blockchains decentralized you know and they say wow there's all these vulnerabilities well okay it comes there's there's been a rebuttal article of course there has been a rebuttal article and um let me find that rebutter, rebutter, butter, butter, butter. Okay, and here is a rebuttal article. Article because you can't sit there and have DARPA sit there and um, do a report like this through Trail of Bits. You know, a highly acclaimed and accredited software, um, you know, uh, auditing type of company, and uh, not have the Bitcoin community be like, oh, wait a second. Um, all right, so here is. Um, <clears throat> Uh, Bitcoin Archive says, what do you say about this? Jason Lowry and Adam3US says, Jason Lowry and Adam Back, both extremely smart people. Um, I listened to them both come on the Robert Breedlove podcast, and that was an amazing episode with both of them talking. Anyway, um, here we go. Swan Bitcoin came out with fact check DARPA funded report on blockchain centralization. In this analysis, we've examined and fact checked the claims in the recent DARPA blockchain report, which claims that Bitcoin's blockchain is susceptible to centralized control. In this examine, in this analysis, we will examine and fact check some of the claims in the report. We will focus primarily on Bitcoin, as that is the only blockchain that has demonstrated true resilience to attack in real world conditions. Um, and we will also contrast the academic findings of the paper with real real world tests of these theories. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I went through and I highlighted a bunch of stuff, and they they go through each claim in detail. As here's some examples: there is constant research into attacks in Bitcoin space. And and much of it is interesting, relevant, and worth considering, as Bitcoin's fundamental purpose is resistance to state-level attack, and the premise of new attack vectors is exciting and worthy of discussion. With the system transmitting more than a trillion dollars of value yearly, it's also constantly subject to real-world conditions for attack as one of the biggest financial honeypots in the world. Yeah, everybody wants to attack Bitcoin, who's a thief, you know? Uh, We concur with the report um, that most blockchains are centralized to varying degrees, ranging from decentralization theater to being fully centralized 
without any pretense of decentralization. Unfortunately, we find many significant problems with the paper's analysis of Bitcoin. Below, we will address some of the major uh, claims in the report. So, um, uh, so here's one. Claim one. Every widely used blockchain has a privileged set of entities that can modify the semantics of the blockchain to potentially change past transactions. There are currently four active contributors with access to modify the Bitcoin core database code base. Um, sorry. The compromise of any of whom would allow for arbitrary modification of the code base. Uh, false. This is simply not true in practice in, in Bitcoin due to the fact that users running nodes, not developers, decide which code to run. There have been numerous examples of this in the past, including users who chose to run code put out by a pseudonymous developer because they wanted a particular upgrade faster during the block size wars of 2017, which went against the opinions of some highly respected Bitcoin core developers who spoke out against running it. Anyway, so so yeah, the claim that four people control the source code is also false. Um, and then they give the link to, to show where. All right, so claim two, the number of entities um, sufficient to disrupt a blockchain is relatively low. Four for Bitcoin, two for Ethereum, and less than a dozen for most proof-of-stake networks. Um, misleading, the claim that Bitcoin can be disrupted by attacking the top four mining pools is flawed for several reasons. Mining pools aren't miners. They Mining pools are groups of miners together. Miners are a globally distributed workforce, often located in remote regions where power is cheap. Miners can and do easily switch pools. I've switched pools, even as a tiny little miner. In fact, in 2014, miners voluntarily switched away from a pool that was gaining too much hash rate. Because when a pool gains too much hash rate, then it means you get a little less, I think, in, re in reward. Um, the attack has to last, for last forever. As soon as the attack is stopped, mining can continue unabated. And then number three, if the attack on specific pools is indeed lasting a long time, it's easy for miners to regroup on still honest pools by changing a single line of configuration. Um, yeah, and I've done that too in my little configuration code. It's easy. Even I can do it, and I'm not a coder. Uh, so <clears throat> we find the claim mostly true for other blockchains, especially those running staking systems, as most of the stake is typically sitting in a large centralized exchanges or data centers. Um, so like what I mentioned at the very beginning, um, that, that data centers all going through Virginia. Uh, for proof-of-stake blockchains, that could be a pretty major issue because a lot of that is sitting on Amazon Web Services and data centers in the hands of founders and in insiders who granted themselves large token distribu distributions and could be used to compromise vote-based systems. All right, claim number three. For a blockchain to be optimally, distrib optimally distributed, there must be a so-called Sybil cost, and that's that attack with you know a bunch of different um, people pretending to be other people and computers pretending to be other computers. There is currently no way, no known way to implement Sybil costs in a permissionless blockchain like Bitcoin. Okay, um, the Sybil attack, named after the first person diagnosed with multiple personality disorder, is where is one where someone may create many nodes that pretend to be honest nodes but are actually malicious in order to trick an honest node into accepting invalid or untrue data or otherwise coerce its behavior by misleading it. The invention of Nakamoto consensus, which is what Bitcoin relies on, and is Satoshi Nakamoto, the inventor of Bitcoin. Nobody knows who that is or if that's even a real person. Uh, Bitcoin's reliance on proof of work for source of truth was literally designed to prevent civil attacks. That was the whole purpose of it. So you cannot do a simple attack on a Bitcoin network. Satoshi wanted any participant to be able to add a block, but choosing one random user would be open to individuals pretending to be many users, but work cannot be faked. 
this is the reason and the one reason Bitcoin uses proof of work. So um, Sybil attacks cannot trick a Bitcoin node into accepting a false copy of the blockchain. The node only needs only a single connection to be an honest node to be resilient to this attack due to the consensus of Bitcoin being based on the heaviest, greatest proof of work chain being the true copy. It does not matter if attackers take over 99.9% of the network. There is a strong Sybil cost in Bitcoin as far as the mining goes. Producing valid blocks require burning real world energy, which is a problem for a lot of people who don't like proof of work. Um, a malicious miner would have to consume significant real world energy to produce still valid blocks to starve the chain of transaction. A mining producing invalid blocks simply burns energy and loses money. So anybody that would want to overtake the, the network would lose so much money that's not even worth trying to take over the network. All right. So, and then claim number four, a dense, possibly non-scale-free subnetwork of Bitcoin nodes appears to be largely responsible for reaching consensus and communicating with miners. Uh, the word consensus is not applied in this paper in the same way that Bitcoin defines consensus. So that's misleading um, in the rules that Bitcoin are followed. This, this causes the authors to reach conclusions that are simply not relevant to the functioning of the Bitcoin blockchain. Again, it does not matter if nodes maliciously modify traffic because the economic nodes that receive transactions verify the rules that bit of Bitcoin that such modified traffic will be considered invalid and thus ignored. Okay, so let's, you know, there's a whole bunch of others down here. Um, I do want to look at the password one. Um, or when nodes have an out-of-date or incorrect view of the work, this lowers the percentage of the hash rate nece necessary to st execute a standard 51% attack. Uh, that's um, true, irrelevant. Um, the authors failed to demonstrate real-world scenarios under which this matters. This attack has to be sustained forever until the miner is able to connect to another honest node, at which point it will recover. This attack also implies that the blockchain has been rewritten by a malicious actor and that this malicious blockchain is being propagated to meet to honest nodes. Uh, a nation state would have to commit a significant portion of their national energy to output such an attack and sustain it in perpetu perpetuity to fight against the rest of the world's honest miners. All right. Um, let's see here. Claim seven. Bitcoin traffic is unencrypted. Any third party on the network route between nodes, e.g. E e ISPs, Wi-Fi access point operators or governments can observe and choose to drop any message they wish. That's irrelevant. Uh, some Bitcoin traffic is encrypted, i.e. on Tor, while some is clear text. Dropping traffic in and of itself is not an attack on Bitcoin functionality as you'd have sustained control over the entire network in order to prevent a propagation of every single transaction. A single connection between an honest node and an honest miner would allow the transaction to propagate. Any attack must be sustained forever to be affected. Again, temporary attacks don't mean anything to Bitcoin. Transactions can, can even be sent by methods outside of the internet, e.g. satellites, mesh networks, QR codes, as soon as a, traction, a, a transaction reaches an honest miner, the attack has been subverted. Um, so let's see here. It's trying to get me to buy a free book. Or buy a free book. Yeah, there's a free book it offers you. Anyway, um, the Bitcoin Core client has a hard-coded delay of two minutes before it gossips new verified blocks to appear. This statement is so obviously false on its face that it's surprising it passed review by nine authors without anyone pointing it out. If nodes were deliberately delaying block propagation, it would increase the chance of orphaning blocks, and you would never have two blocks built on top of each other from different miners across the world less than two minutes apart. This is de debunked by real-world block propagation data. There is speculation that the authors confused block propagation with a con condition in the meme pool propagation, which has nothing to do with this at 
all. So yeah, um, and let's, there's more claims here. I'm looking for um, the one about the passwords. I it's in there. I just you know, I can't find it right now. Um, and I don't want to waste waste my time and your time um, searching for it. But all, the link to the article is in there. Um, the summary at face value, the paper elaborates on many already explored attack vectors in Bitcoin, some of which um, Bitcoin was literally invented to solve, like Sybil attacks, uh, but fails to give context to the attacks and their achievability and consequences in the real world. Um, in practice, double spending is an attempt on centralized exchanges and is very difficult to get away with, uh, to impossible to get away with in real life, especially on Bitcoin, where it's easy to run a full node in order for such an attack to be practical. You're going to need to control enough of the internet to trick an exchange to connect to only malicious nodes, only malicious nodes, and, and you're going to sustain this long enough for nobody to notice and steal funds without leaving an identified trail in the traditional banking system. <laughs> yeah, the authors claim that Bitcoin could be attacked at the network layer to achieve census, censorship. Again, the authors have failed to demonstrate this in real world conditions and have failed to mention that connection to a single honest node with connectivity to the honest partition of the network defeats the attack. And they fail to clarify the significance of a 51% attack. Such an attack does not allow the attacker to create coins from thin air, spend coins that aren't theirs, steal user funds, or really do anything of value other than censor transactions or starve the chain of blocks. Additionally, such an attack must be maintained literally forever, forever, and is literally expensive to even launch, let alone sustain, because as soon as the remaining honest miners of the world have a majority hash power, they can continue producing normal blocks. Um, so yeah, any attack that wasn't able to last forever would ultimately restore functionality to Bitcoin, thus only proving its strength. Uh, so they said, um, we conclude that the DARPA-funded paper on blockchain centralization by Sultanic Al contains many false or misleading claims and cannot be treated seriously. So there is the debunking of the FUD by the Bitcoin community. Um, so yeah, be careful. Like I said, there is a lot of, um, and I said this at the beginning of this episode, there's a a lot of reasons why they do not want you to use Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies outside of their CBDCs that they are trying to bring in. And I showed you the IMF trying to bring it in. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, just just you know, don't believe everything you read. This this report here by Trail of Bits looks fancy, looks real, looks authentic, and it is fancy, real, and authentic. And you know what? The Bitcoin community, I think Swan Bitcoin and a, a, a lot of the main people in the Bitcoin community could look at this report and be maybe a little more cognizant of certain things and be able to make some improvements. And who knows? Maybe we'll get another BIP, a Bitcoin improvement protocol, out of it. Um, and uh, there. But not to be saying, I'm not dogging on Trail of Bits here because Trail of Bits is actually a, a really good podcast. Um, I would highly recommend you go give it a listen. It's on Spotify. Here's their podcast. It, they really take some some very difficult concepts such as zero knowledge and proofs and ZK docs and immutability and stuff like that. And, you know, um, just a lot of these concepts of blockchain and they, they put it in simple language and easy to understand. And it's an entertaining podcast. So, yeah, go to trailabits.audio forward slash episodes and you can find that or just, you know, search Trail of 
bits on Google Play, Apple, Spotify, all that, and you'll find it. Um, but anyway, yeah, just saying, there was a report by DARPA, funded by DARPA, through Trail of Bits, to debunk and poke holes in Bitcoin and create a bunch of FUD. And then the Bitcoin community came back and said, no, it's not true. You know, case closed, resolved. All right, everything's fine. Continue on. Nothing to see here. All right, that being said, all right, I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, Move on for the day. It's Monday. I got a lot of work to do. So um, I will talk to you all later. Thank you for making it to the end of this program. If you actually like this content, give a thumbs up. And if you want to hear more, just hit the subscribe button. I'm available on YouTube, Odyssey, and BitChute, and on all the major podcasting platforms in audio version. Spotify specifically, if you would like to follow and leave a review, that would help a lot. I am also available on Twitter at EurekaJohn1, that's E-U-R-E-K-A, John, J-O-H-N, and the number one. My DMs are always open. Feel free to shoot me a message. Thanks again.